now my friends are up here. Uh, like Chris said, we are uh, going to continue. I'm Leanne, and we are here today to continue what Steve's been doing such a beautiful job with, hadn't he, walking us through Joshua and the Israelites and how uh, finally they are going to get to go into the promised land. We know all about how they grumbled and all the things that happened there. And finally, they're going to get the promise that Abraham got back, way back in Genesis. And they're going to get to go in. Yay, rah. Well, he said, oh, God says, uh, but to get there, you've got to cross the Jordan River. And to get there, you've got to take out all these people. To get there, you've got to do all this stuff. So all of a sudden, the Israelites are looking at this promise, and it's like, oh, Oh, we've got to do those things. It's going to be hard. And all of a sudden, it's like us when we have an expectation of something and it comes up against what we know about God. I call that it's when our reality crashes into our theology. And when that happens, we get all discombobulated, don't we? It's like, what just happened? And I think about even the followers of Jesus, his disciples, we call them, those young men that followed Jesus everywhere he went. Remember, they gave up everything. They just left what they were doing and went and followed him. And as they did, it, it, you think about how Jesus was walking and all the things they saw him do, the miracles and the signs. They were watching all that. They were seeing that. They were taking it all in so close to him that the dust that he kicked up would get on them as he was walking on the road. That's how close they were. But what happened on the night that he was betrayed? And they got in the garden and all of a sudden, soldiers are coming, and all of a sudden, swords are drawn, and all of a sudden, all this is going on. Where did they go? Did that faith, were they right there with him? No, they couldn't even stay awake with him to pray with him. They took off. They were gone because they had this crisis of faith that happened, even though it came up against what they knew about Jesus. But at Pentecost, 50 days later, they stood up in those front of those very same people that were killing Jesus for what he was saying, saying the same things, filled with the Holy Spirit, and people were being saved because of it. So we saw that redeemed. So me and my friends here, I want you to meet them. You know, Clay Blair. Clay and Tara, y'all are not sitting together. <laughs> okay. okay, they are our shepherds, some of our shepherds here at Wellhouse Church. This is Frank Bunner. His wife, Jenna, was supposed to be with us this morning. She's not feeling well. So hello, Jenna, if you're watching us. And this is Laura and Addie Seegerson. So glad that y'all are here. Thank you for being here. So we're just, I'm just going to ask some questions. These are real people with real stories that I think we all can relate to. And we're going to do it in a short time frame. So I know we'd like to expand some of the, the stories. We kind of have to hit it and quit it this morning. So Frank, we're going to start with you. So I know you're a follower of Jesus. I know you love the Lord. And I know that you believe in God. So would you tell us, in uh, at a time in your life, would you talk to us about maybe a difficult time that you walked through? So, um, my mind when you guys asked for us to do this, you know, some of the more intense times uh, was for us was on the mission field, 
Um, so uh, we, as you know, Jen and I went to Togo, West Africa, and um, we went with a team of five families. Um, and, you know, we knew we had a lot of training. We knew that things would be hard. Uh, we knew especially like the first couple of years would be hard, language learning and illness and being strangers and all that stuff. Um, but I, there were things that I don't think we, we, I guess in our Pollyanna thought process, that it would just go a certain way. And so um, after about year one, it was a really hard year. Most of us would have been, we would have taken it out if somebody would have given it to us. Um, one of our, so there, were, there weren't that many uh, missionaries that we knew of in that area. And uh, in a neighboring country, uh, Benin, there was another missionary team, and we were really close friends with them. So we, we just kind of bonded together uh, because of just the, the kind of the space. So while one of those families was visiting us in country, uh, there was an accident, and one of the wives was killed. Um, and, and so began a process of loss and I'm okay. So that was a, began kind of some dominoes that took place. Um, and then a lot of attacks took place after that. Um, so it wasn't just the loss of her, but it was also all of a sudden everybody's hurts and struggles from their stories came out. And before long, five families became three families. Um, and, and then it was like, I think the culmination of that was a moment where it became personal for me, things that showed up that I was not ready to deal with. Um, and the timing was diabolical. And, um, and just kind of blew us away and we were all kind of in shock um, at the end of that two-year time period. Wow, wow, that is a lot. That is a lot as a child of God. It sometimes it's like when things happen, we've talked about this before, it's like not only do they happen uh, to us and, and we watch other people but as it happens, you look and it's like piled on and piled on and piled on. And, and it's like, wow, what just happened? Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, um, Laura, I think about uh, things that you and your family have been through and sweet Addie. And uh, so we'll just share your microphone. Yes. <laughs> So she's feeling a little nervous, so I'm not sure how much she's going to share herself. But um, when Addie was about two months old, um, she started having some pretty um, severe illness. Um, when she was almost three, she was diagnosed with a rare lung disease at Mayo Clinic. Um, we had to travel back and forth um, to Minnesota quite a bit. Um, and then everything started looking up, getting better for her um, after that diagnosis. It's not something that ever goes away. Um, her lungs are very damaged from all of the illness when she was very little. Um, and then 2018 came and my husband David um, 
her dad deployed. He was gone for about nine or 10 months. And so 2019 was kind of this year that we had claimed like it was gonna be fantastic. He was coming home in January and life was just gonna get better because he was gonna be home. Um, he came home injured and had to have a pretty um, crazy shoulder surgery. And during that same week, Addie started feeling sick. And so he took her to the doctor thinking it was just strep or something easy. And that's when they found um, a mass in her neck um, that ended up being diagnosed as thyroid cancer. Uh, she was seven in first grade at the time. So her life has been filled with um, just rare diagnoses and lots of hospital stays and doctor visits. And um, so, you know, we had claimed 2019 to be the year of just all these good things. And by Mar the end of March of that year, we were just reeling because we had no idea his shoulder surgery was going to be so extensive. Um, she, we found the mass in her neck and our older daughter fell and broke her wrist literally in the course of about four days. And I remember just driving to the hospital with Ella and she was seven at home taking care of David who was, you know, knocked out on pain meds from his shoulder surgery and I was just laughing and it really hurt Ella's feelings because <laughs> she's like, Mom, this is not funny. And I said, well, it's either we laugh or we just get in the fetal position and cry. We've got to figure out a way to get through all these things. So, um, you know, going through all of that and then, you know, starting the process of thyroid cancer with Addie was just this time of, okay, God, <laughs> like we thought this was going to be, you know, we had been faithful for a year with him gone and we had done all of these things and been so strong and been so brave and little did we know that was going to be so much easier than what we were facing moving forward. So, um, you know, thyroid cancer is hard because they tell you, well, if you want, if, if you're a child and you get cancer, like this is the one that you want. Um, cause you don't have to have chemo, you have to have radioactive iodine. So she did the whole quarantine before that was a thing that we all did. Um, so she, you know, she stayed so strong and so brave through all of it, but with thyroid cancer comes a lifelong struggle and a lifelong process. Um, it never stops. She has to have scans yearly. Um, that will never change. She has to take medicine every day, and that will never change. So it's just something that we and our family have struggled with through how do you ever move on when it's constantly still being brought to the forefront all the time. Um, but that's kind of yeah. our story. Yeah. So, Addie, can I just ask you, <laughs> with... Uh, when you were little, do you remember? Do you do you remember when you were sick? Do you remember? Because at, at that time, being a child and then growing like into faith and knowing about God, um, did would that when you were going through those times? What I know you were dependent on your mom. How how were you feeling? Do you remember that? I remember going into like surgery and stuff, but I don't remember like all of it. Yeah. I felt like kind of iffy though because like I didn't get to go to school so that was a plus but then <laughs> <laughs> but then like I was also really scared because then I felt like like I was gonna die though so yeah yeah oh bless you we're glad you're here today <laughs> so uh we're gonna go on to Clay Blair here right <laughs> so um Probably most of my life, um, I've not felt like I've had a lot of, 
like faith struggles. Uh, Tara and I were talking about that and kind of like, well, I don't know. You know, what do I want to share? But as I spent a little more time thinking about it, I was like, yeah, you know, we when we started Wellhouse, I think in 2015 or I think it was 2014, um, Tara and I were part of the uh, first lead team and you know, the first two or three years were going pretty good. And then it seemed like we hit a, a moment in time where there were a series, I guess, of um, difficult situations that we were trying to navigate. You know, and you're trying to navigate them, you know, from a relational uh, standpoint. And what I'm sharing, I'm not the only person that experienced this. There are other people sitting here that did as well. So... Um, but I can only share my perspective about it. But um, for Tara and I, some, you know, some of that led to, um, I guess, fractured relationships, you know, uh, friendships, and so it was, you know, it was a pretty difficult um, season. And for she and I, you know, a couple of them, you know, hit pretty close to home. So, um, and kind of like the other stories, you know, it felt like you're kind of in the ocean and there's a wave that hits you survive that one and then another one hits you and kept your head above water and then a two more <laughs> you know and now you're like out of energy and so that was kind of where I found myself and so uh, several years ago um, I stepped away from the lead team I just felt like I couldn't take another wave um, I wasn't sure, you know, where that would leave me uh, as far as, like, my faith. And so um, so I did that, but then really right on the heels of that was 2020. And, you know, we all experienced that. And at first it, it was kind of like this reprieve. <laughs> it's like I have a built-in excuse to keep everybody at an arm's length. <laughs> And, um, but then as time went on, I felt like I was still kind of on that slope and kind of sliding, you know, down it. And so I was like, man, I, I'm turning into the cliche, you know, get off my lawn guy. <laughs> and I thought, you know, how have I gotten here, you know? And so, like, I could recognize it, but I didn't know how to change it. Um, and I think some of it was probably, a, like, a defense mechanism. Sure. You know, it was easier to not be disappointed or hurt or whatever, just to kind of keep some barriers up and, and to choose to not engage, I guess. Yeah. So I want to hear your wife's perspective of the. <laughs> um, I guess one thing he didn't add was right before um, 2015. I mean, he, he was going through a major job transition. Um, our kids were at that age where there's always something, but those relationships we lost were also things that our kids suffered through because it was some of their good friends. And so we had parents that were going through health crisis. So, I mean, it was just a lot, you know, and like you said, it was just like, one wave after another, and you're like, okay, let's just keep our head above today and, and see where it leads, you know, mm -hmm. so. 
So you you realized that he was shutting down. Yeah, I could see it. And that had to be hard for you too. Yeah. To watch that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And to uh, to try to figure out a way uh, to help him, but you were hurting too, and your kids were hurting. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I don't really. I don't. Uh, yeah. It's like you know sometimes when you go through something you don't really know until looking back and you're like oh. We did it, but it was just like by putting one foot forward every day, you know? Like, I don't know how we did it, but we did it, you know? Yeah. 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 So all of you, I'm, I'm hearing you say the difficult situations that you walked through. Very, you know, there's there's uh, still tears still come and, and emotions still happen just, you know, just from remembering that. And I know all of you sitting here can is conjuring something up, probably something that you've gone through or dealt with at some point. And as we deal with that, like I said, I just want you to get that picture that uh, it's like, um, that's why I ask Addie about being a little girl. And and you think about all the things that have happened in your life and all the people that have, you know, been in your life and have given some sort of an influence in your life, teachers or uh, other family members or friends or whatever and how you've grown up and what you have believed and then you've got that this you, you know it's almost like we feel like okay I'm good uh, this is what I believe I, I'm good here but then when life hits it it's like we question so I've got it's it's kind of a hard question for this this question is kind of hard I'm going to ask you, did your faith falter? And I want you to be really honest. I think people need to hear the maybe some questions that you had, uh, maybe the things that you thought of, maybe uh, thought process that, processes that you went through. I think people need to hear it and understand that it's so good because I think in the Bible, when you read stuff, it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe that's in there. <laughs> but aren't you glad it's in there? Because it seems like... Otherwise, we would think everybody's life is just perfect and good, and it's not the good, the bad, and the ugly is in there. God even says several times in there, state your case before me. At one point, he says, state your case before me and lie in your bed and tremble. (laughs) Because, and then like Job, you know, Job just said, I just want an audience. I just want to get before you. And God was like, okay, come on. (laughs) I'm going to tell you who I am right now. So I think it would be good for you all just to express some and to do that, if you don't mind. Um, Laura, can we start with you? So at that point when we started going through the cancer diagnosis with her, we'd already gone through a lot with all of her lung situations, but cancer is just a word that has a heaviness that as a parent you're not really ever prepared for. And you go through all these, like, emotions and questions, like, why her and why not me? Like, give it to me. I want to take this on instead of having to watch your child suffer through it and you can't do anything about it. Um, That was my first real true experience with questioning God. Um, And then I think through, through that, and yes, I mean, my faith definitely did falter because it's just a long process. And it's very much like hurry up and get the diagnosis and then wait. And you just have to sit. And it's like, 
you have this panic inside of you, like, God, hurry this process along because she still has this disease in her body. We need this treatment. And then there was a nationwide shortage of radioactive iodine. And so the day before she was supposed to get this treatment that would go in and kill all the remaining cells, we got the phone call that it was canceled. And they didn't know when it would be rescheduled. And so it was just this constant process of delays and frustrations and just crying out to God, like, don't you see us? Don't you see the worry and the hurt and the fear that she's going through and that David and I are going through and Ella and our whole family? It was just a really hard thing to go through. But I feel like through that process of allowing myself to just share my frustrations and fears with God, it deepened my faith into where now it's just a conversation with God. And it's just an ongoing process of talking to God. It really changed my prayer life and it changed how I communicated with him where it wasn't such a formal, right before I go to bed, I say my prayer. You know, it became like a all-day thing, um, just trying to get through it and trying to help get her to the other side of it. Um, so I think through the falter came the growth for me. I was uh, thinking this morning and it's thinking about, um, you know, words, because um, falter in faith, I, I, I think there was uh, somewhere in between all that space. Um, you know, the word intimidated came to my mind this morning. Um, I remember in that season being really intimidated uh, by evil for the first time in my life. Um, I didn't, I don't think any of us realized um, the level of oppression that was present uh, before that. Um, I th- there was a lot of um, asking God. We, we, there was an assumption almost that we are protected and that, um, you know, and that those kinds of things don't happen. Um, you know, so there was a lot of questioning of, you know, we came here for you, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of thought processes. Um, I think the other surprising thing was, and I don't want this to be misconstrued, we were kind of known by the enemy too, which was a weirdly weird thing to learn, in that all these dominoes, these spaces, um, it's like they were all connected, and so it was just weird to see the things that, uh, I, I guess, again, just there was a lot of fear in that season. Um, we were on our guard. We were um, very defensive in our faith, uh, not offensive at all. Very, um, you know, uh, a lot of spiritual warfare talk was happening uh, and um uh, and probably very protective to our just what's going to happen next uh, kind of season for us. So in what I'm hearing you say is that you were feeling the oppression. You were actually being able to sense the oppression like just as before you had sensed the presence of God. And that in feeling that oppression then, that created the fear and the doubt of... of uh, what you were doing 
where you were, what your purpose was. And the same thing I hear you all saying, that the same thing, that uh, God, uh, we're to pray to you to um, protect us, to provide for us, and yet the delays are happening, and yet this keeps coming and this keeps happening. So when you keep continuing to hear that, um, I love the book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at the Table, and how those words just will whisper in your ears or you will um it's like all of a sudden just like the darkness comes in where there was light and it's just a time when if we aren't um prepared and i don't know how we can be then our faith will falter and we see good solid i mean good solid people walk through those times questioning questioning that and I and I watched Clay and Tara I watched them go through some of this and Clay I'm going to ask you again just to share some of that what you were going through during that time um yeah and again you know as I was thinking about like I guess how did that affect my faith is that kind of what you're asking um yeah it was kind of difficult at first I was like well I've grown up in like in church community, so that's been a part of my, you know, it's almost like a a habit or a muscle or something like I've not ever had a time when I didn't have that. But I I do think I began to question uh probably my faith like in God's church. Maybe not in God. But, you know, it's like, gosh, you know, this is such a, a messy, <laughs> dangerous, uh, you know, potentially, you know, kind of place. And, uh, and I think once you start to slip to that place where you start to associate it with negativity and not positive things, you know, then, yeah, does that start to cause you to question things maybe you'd never questioned before. Sure. Things that maybe I'd been comfortable with assuming. And now I'm like, mm, I don't know. I could see wisdom in doing it solo. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anybody else? <All> right. <laughs> So Tara and uh, and I know he's a lot has that went through him that you know that affected you of course but how did that? It was kind of weird because I felt like I was in a spot though that my faith was really um, growing like I don't know it's it was kind of weird like um, I think it was the first time in my life that I was really remembering to stop and ask what God wanted me to do rather than just think I had the plan or I had it figured out or like mm-hmm. at learning to lean on the Spirit to guide me like okay. What's the, what's the next right thing that I'm supposed to do, you know? And mm-hmm. so it, it was kind of weird because sometimes I felt like I couldn't really, he was struggling, but I felt like, okay, I, even though we were in the midst of hard things, I felt like my faith was growing. So um, yeah. it was kind of, it was we, it was interesting between us because I felt like he couldn't relate to where I was and I couldn't relate so, to where he was. So, so. How, your discussions at that time, were you able to be honest with each other? Were y'all able to to talk about your feelings and 
not to put you on the spot. Well, I mean, well, that's got to be hard. That's yeah. got to be hard if you're, you know, if you're yeah. in different seasons in your marriage. And but I think as a woman, though, we could talk about everything, whereas yeah. men don't want to talk about anything yeah. sometimes. So that that you know, that's always a little bit of struggle when it comes to some of those yeah. things. You know. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have good news. So you know, in in all of the struggles that we go through and all of the, all of the things that happen to us. Um, and even, you know, I know that there are still some ongoing things. I mean, I was talking to you the other day, Laura, about Addie wasn't feeling well. And, and what did you tell me? Do you remember uh, about, you said she was sick and that she, it's not just like anybody else would have a cold. And, yeah, yeah, so she started feeling weird Tuesday afternoon and what might make, a healthy child feel a little bad they might need a nap or just a good night's sleep and they're right back to it the next day she didn't go to school the rest of the week so it's like it's taken all of her illness and everything she's been through has taken a toll on her body where if you look at her she looks perfectly healthy and so it's this confusing thing for people a lot of times when we try to share like her limitations because she can't always do everything she wants to do her body just physically can't so that's one of the hardest parts is watching the continual struggle of yes we're past it and we have clean scans and that's great but it's still the residual effects that are ongoing for her that are hard yeah um since it is ongoing you know there we what we're talking about in some instances isn't like a time you were in and a time you're in this is kind of ongoing and so how have you seen it, it's since she was a little girl now, you know, 12 years old, and, and, you know, and as you're growing in that, how have you seen God redeem the time? Uh, how have you seen good come out of this? Just an encouragement um, in this story. So I think it's shown all of us how strong we are with God. Like, there are days when you're going through things like this that you just don't know how, like, how are we going to get up and face the, the day of surgery, when we knew we were finding out that day for sure if it was cancer or not. How do you get up and get her up and drive to the hospital? But you just do because God is there with you every step of the way. Um, and then, you know, we still have days where we're nervous and um, she has to have blood work done every few months and that's always nerve wracking. And, um, and then the scan that she has to have every year, usually November, December, that's, we get nervous around those times, but with every clean scan and every good report, you know, we're just reminded of how good God is that we caught it when we did, it had spread into her lymph nodes, um, when we found it. So it was kind of all down throughout her collarbone and then up around like her entire neck, the entire thyroid was involved. So it was very, it was scary. It could have been a lot worse than it was. Um, but we're just constantly reminded that it wasn't and that um, God gave us an amazing doctor who caught it when, I don't know how we hadn't seen this mass on her neck. But um, And then I think for me, one of the things that, like, good that's come from it is this sense of calm and understanding when I meet parents who are going through scary situations with their kids. I feel like I can really speak to them from a place of understanding. Um, one of the phrases that always kind of drove me a little crazy when we we're going through it was like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do what you're doing. I can't imagine what you're going through. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to know this. So I think, you know, 
God has just given me a spirit of compassion for those people because I don't have to look at them and say, I couldn't do it. I can look at them and say, I did do it and I'm still doing it and she's doing it. And we're just such a, you know, we're a testimony of God's goodness and his faith through overcoming things that no parent ever wants to have to go through. Oh, that is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. So Clay, I'm going to ask you in, uh, in all of this that you had, I know you read, I know you love to read, and I know you love to think and study. And so how has God, in doing, in going through all of this, what what good, how has he redeemed that time for you? Yeah, so it, that's kind of interesting, too, as I thought about it. Um, and it's the opposite of, it. I didn't read anything. <laughs> I didn't, you know, have a dream. I didn't have a vision. I didn't have a... I think it, honestly, the thing that I was starting to struggle in my faith with was the very thing that started to restore it, you know, which are all of you. And I think, and it wasn't that any one person here said anything that was like this aha moment. Um, It was just your presence and your testimony through living your life, doing the best you can do, trying to be a genuine person. I don't know. It, and it's probably been, you know, within the last, you know, year and a half that I felt like my perspective, you know, started to shift and was able to see the beauty in people again, you know, even, you know, in their brokenness. But you could see through all of that and see the, the beauty in them. So I think that started to kind of soften, you know, my heart. Um, and, you know, and I'm sure it's still an ongoing process, you know. Uh, but I have all of you to thank, you know, for that. So. Kara? <laughs> that, that was my answer, too, is just community and that, um, I mean, these are like my ride and die people, you know, and that um, I've never been in a church that felt more like family. And so, like, you know, even during COVID when things were weird and wonky and we're like, what's going to happen to Wellhouse? I'm like, God's not calling me to leave because these are my people, you know. And, like, um, it's kind of like when, when Moses got tired and Aaron had to hold his hands up. I know if I ever am tired, I have all my people here that would hold my hands up. So, like, I'm not leaving that, you know, and I'm committed to that. And um that was just for us, like, no, this is our place and these are our people. And looking back through everything I've ever struggled with in life, it's always been um, that God used the people that are around me that are trying to walk out their faith as well to support me. So that's it, yeah. Beautiful. Y'all are making me cry. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, Frank, you started us. I'm going to get you to end us. Um, and as you talk about your time specifically, how God redeemed some things during that time and and it's I'm thankful that we've gotten to know you and Jenna y'all are so precious to us and and all of you would you thank them at, before Frank even talks we're going to end with that thank them for for doing this uh Frank is going to go it just seemed like the natural progression to go from from the beauty that get, that can come from ashes that that's Jesus that's our relationship with God through Jesus and that he can pull good out of any situation 
and that is just such a blessing. So Frank's going to share with us and then just kind of lead us into some communion thoughts this morning, and then we'll be dismissed to communion after that. So, um, you know, it's when, when I was thinking this morning about that season and thinking, you know, it's interesting how um, there are certain memories that are really, really strong, and I can picture places that were really, really hard. Um, but I remember one of the big shifts that happened was that, you know, we, on some level, somewhere in the process, there was a couple of things that happened. And it's really interesting. I love how God, it's so weird how experiences are, you know, what he does through them are the same. Um, one of the things that kind of took place was a realization that it wasn't our battle to fight. Like that was very, very clear. There was a certain point uh, in that um, we were to like just focus on him and his face. Um, and then there was a season of just humility <laughs> that took place in that, in that process. And then um, community, uh, just holding each other. We had a counselor that came and loved us and would love on us every year from there on, just come. and um, But also just a lot of um, just recentering. The other word that kind of came into my mind this morning when I was thinking about this was how messy it was, how messy the the um, the process was of coming back to a, a place of steadiness and grounding because that didn't happen all at once. Um, so about year seven, so six years later, um, we were all together, and a lot of things that happened in that time period, a lot of really beautiful things that happened. We'd seen some good things that God had done. There was still a lot of tragedy that would happen, too. Um, but um, we were at a re we ended up going to retreat, and it was we called it the WAM or West, West, Afri West African Missionary. Uh, and uh, so a lot of our friends came together, those that were in that part of the world. And the husband of the wife uh, who died uh, came. It was really the first time we'd actually, this is kind of weird to say this, but it's kind of like the first time that we had really hung out again. Because as soon as that happened, he took his daughter and they went back to the States and um, all of that. And so we were all sitting in a, we all kind of came together and... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I have really bad family genes of emotions. Uh, it was really a healing moment. Um, uh, seeing him with us, um, singing again. Goodness. Thank you. It was just healing. 
uh, it wasn't quite full circle. It was just, I re- just, goodness, a real realization uh, that we had been held. And um, the other thing, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm pretty Pollyanna still in my thinking, even though I should know better um, in some ways. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about this morning as I was sitting here processing is that um, on some level, some of that pain has been redeemed, right? Um, so... Me and this husband uh, have actually, uh, what, three years ago, four years ago, we both went together to go care for a bunch of missionaries together. Um, And so we told stories. He he told me about his daughter that I didn't get a chance to be around because they left. And... um, so there's like redemption, like I can hear how God had been faithful to him and how he'd been faithful to us. Um, and yet we s- sat in this car together and started crying. <laughs> um, because there's still some sadness to that. Um, still a lot of loss. There's still some pain that hasn't been redeemed. It's still waiting. Um, and so that's just a reminder, like, that God is faithful, and he was completely in control, and yet the reality, too, that sometimes there are, there is still pain, and that doesn't mean that he's not there, um, and that that pain's going to get redeemed one day, fully. Um, so I'm going to attempt to, uh, I'm going to, which is probably silly for me to even try to do this. Um, so there was an, it's funny cause you're going to say it's a new song. This is going to date me, <laughs> but there was a song that had come out at that time period and, uh, you know, we, a part of our missionary circle, just we just sing all the time together and worship together. And so this is a song that we sang that weekend um, together uh, when he was there. <laughs> See, this is messed up, so messed up. <laughs> all right. So the song is this, Had it not been for the Lord who was on our side... Had it not been the Lord who was on our side, the anger of the enemy would have swallowed us alive. Had it not been the Lord. Had it not been the Lord who was on our side, had it not been the Lord who was on our side, 
the waters would have engulfed us and we would have surely died. Blessed be the Lord who would not give us up. Blessed be the Lord for his unfailing love. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Um, so for communion, um, another Psalm, right? Is that in Psalm 23, there's this crazy, um, image that says, uh, the Lord has prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. Um, that's such an interesting image. And so as we kind of gather at table this morning, you know, one of the things I was thinking about this morning is, and now, you know, I'm a counselor by trade. And so I realize now that there is so much pain in this room. I, I, there's a lot of pain in this room. That's something we all have in common. And every one of us are in this process. There's not one of us that have an, have a, an out to this. And so as we kind of gather at the table, there is a, uh, a reminder that even as we come to this table, it's, it's God's kindness preparing a table in the presence of our enemies. And one of the things that we can do as we gather at the table this morning is we can remind ourselves, blessed be the Lord who would not give us up. Our help is in the name of the Lord. That's something that we can even speak to each other as we gather around the table. Um, Our help is in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. So would you do that as we gather at the tables?